HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by Myriad Restaurant Group. For more information, visit myriadrestaurantgroup.com. I'm Damon Bolte, host of The Speakeasy. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Well, hello, hello, Heritage Radio Network listeners. It's Monday afternoon at 1 p.m., and I am in a shipping container in the backyard of Roberta's Pizza in Bushwick, Brooklyn. And that means one thing. That means Tech Bites, the radio show where we talk about the intersection of food and technology. I'm Jennifer Leutzi, your host. And today we have a really... I think I say this every single show. Today we have a really great show and somebody I'm super excited to talk about. And the nice thing is that I book all the guests, so I'm always excited to talk to people. <laughs> Today, our guest is Danielle Gould, who is the founder and CEO of Food Plus Tech Connect. Hi. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's really my pleasure. Um, people who are interested in food and technology are definitely our people. One of the first things I like to do at the top of the show is to introduce everyone here. We got to meet Danielle, and we can meet Jack Inslee, who is the executive producer of Heritage Radio Network and our engineer. He's the one who makes all the shipping container talk into webcast radio. Jack? Hello. I'm waiting for the week where you're like, this week's show is really not going to be so great, but... <laughs> no, I do the same thing, actually, on my show. I, I, I found that like after every DJ set, I'm like, that was amazing. I say the same exact thing, too. I'm like, that was amazing. That was amazing every week. And for those of you who are curious as to what Jack's show is, it's a very fun DJ music show on Thursday nights at 7.30 called Full Service Radio. And he does this obligatory but very interesting interview in the middle of the <laughs> set with all the DJs and makes them talk about food, yeah. which they're not used to. But the good thing is that most people eat food, so there's always something to say. <laughs> Safe to say all people. <laughs> The other voice in the booth is Declan, who is our radio intern. Declan? Good morning. How are you? I'm all right. So the first thing we do at the top of the show is we start every episode like a good meal with an appetizer, and we all talk about our current favorite apps and things we've discovered or sometimes old favorites that just keep giving. Uh, do you, Danielle, do you have a favorite app that you 
are really liking right now? I love Instagram um, and Pocket. Actually, Pocket has is a magical tool for me. I bookmark. I read a lot, uh, and I bookmark a lot of articles and to keep me focused. Um, it's nice to be able to bookmark something and then read it on my phone when I'm traveling. So Pocket is a reading app? Yeah, it's a reading app. So you can bookmark something, and then it'll sit, download the entire article to your uh, your phone. So then it creates a, a native yes. reading library yeah. on your phone that you don't need internet connection exactly. for to get to. Oh, so that's exactly. nice. It's brilliant. Very good. I've not heard of that. So yeah. that's a great discovery. Declan, do you have a favorite app that you're on this week? Uh, uh, yeah. Um, I know Jack already talked about uh, Yik Yak, but um, I had some pretty uh, interesting experiences when using Yik Yak the other day. I uh, facilitated some conversations about sexuality and race on Yik Yak, and I found that a lot of people are very willing to have those conversations, so it made me very hopeful for the future. Can you describe to us very briefly what Yik Yak is for people who don't know? Yik Yak is essentially a, a geographic... Um, geographically determined public forum so people can just post anything anonymously based on where they are and then whoever's in that immediate area will be able to read it and vote and comment on what they're saying so you're where you're becoming known as a politically minded young man because one of your recent apps was also mobile justice so we have mobile justice and then you have very thoughtful conversations on yik yak so I find that pretty interesting. Yeah, well, uh, I'd like to think that I'm uh, pretty politically minded. Very good. Okay. Score one for for the kid in the booth. Excellent. (laughs) Jack, what do you have for us this week? (laughs) Like the least political, most hedonistic app. It's called Hotel Tonight. (laughs) (laughs) I was just in Philly. Um, Well, depending on what you do in the room, it could be political. (laughs) Fair fair enough. Um, I I was just in Philly, though, with uh, my girlfriend Odetta. We had a lot of incredible bites, including I just have to shout out Zahav, which is like one of my favorite restaurants in the country. Um, Really, really, really good Israeli cuisine. Anyway, we didn't plan very well. We thought we might stay with a friend, and that didn't work out. And this app, Hotel Tonight, basically they buy room reservations from hotels, and then they resell them based on demand and um, desperation on their part. So you kind of keep checking the app, and you might find a really, really good deal. Like I got a, a very good room in the center of Philly for under a hundred bucks just wow. for checking at the last minute because you know they have to get rid of the rooms at a certain point. It's and, amazing. Oh, you know that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's awesome, right? Yes. Yes. Last minute typically means either extremely expensive because you didn't plan or super cheap because they're trying to unload it. Exactly. So, which side does this fall on? The super cheap side. Yeah, I mean, all, both my reservations were really cheap. You kind of have to just check it throughout the day and then strike when you see a good deal. Okay. It's always a deal. It's just a matter of what what kind of deal. Yeah. You know, if, like at, if you're at South by Southwest, you can maybe get a room, but it's going to cost <laughs> you $600. Yes, exactly. <laughs> okay. Good to know for summer travels, perhaps. Mm-hmm. My app today is the Food and Wine Keyboard, which was an app that was released last week from Food and Wine Magazine. It's available on iPhone and Android. It's free. And it's it's a keyboard app that has three different types of things that you can add into your text messages and social media. 
One is these sort of photographic emojis that are a little bit larger than your typical emoji of things like the cronut or a bottle of sriracha or Mario Batali on his Vespa. They have some animated GIFs. Um, a bottle of wine in a wine glass hugging, uh, a sabre of a champagne bottle, things like that. And then they also have some stickers. And so it's pretty fun. I often, I do like emojis, but I find the selection quite lacking. Um, and I'm constantly wishing there was a more specific emoji. So this is a, a good advancement for the food emoji arena, and hopefully they'll make more and update very soon. <laughs> So we have Danielle on today because she is the founder and CEO of Food Plus Tech Connect, which has been around for more than six years. And uh, 2009? For, well, I started look, looking into this space in 2009. So currently, I, I would describe Food Tech Connect as an aggregator of a lot of the information in the space that's happening, happening on a week-to-week and day-to-day basis, a forum for discussing these things and also a facilitator of events and conferences and now recently an entity that is doing educational programming online and in life in in person one of the really interesting things about this is it an entity a group a media company your company okay and we were talking about this just before we went on the air, is that the food and technology space, and in this we mean web and uh, entrepreneur and, and business and not food technology in the cooking sense. So we're not talking about molecular gastronomy and Fran Adria and immersion circulators. We're talking about apps and, and digital and social media. Much of this didn't exist 10 years ago. And so your interest in the space back in 2009 and the growth of your company really in many ways is replicating the trajectory of the industry itself. Did you, what, what was it back in 2009 that, that brought you to the space? And did you know back then that it was going to become something as prolific as it is? I did. Um, so I, when, in 2009, I was working for a company called Bright Farm Systems, now uh, Bright Farms. And I was doing PR and business development and admin. And my boss said, you have to start tweeting our press releases. And I used to be a technophobe. Uh, I literally, I was that person that was always deleting my files. I could never find anything. Um, so when he said, you have to start tweeting our press releases, I didn't get Twitter. So I just did a deep dive into it and quickly fell in love. Uh, And one of the things that I started noticing was that people were sharing information so openly in the food community online, on Twitter, on Facebook, on listservs, and, you know, that people were sharing information that we didn't have access to as a company, but we really needed. So things like prices paid to producers or how much food was being grown in the city. Um, But again, like I said, people were openly sharing this information. Uh, So I started thinking about... um, you know, what What if we were to scrape all this data together to get a better real-time picture of what's going on? And that's kind of what opened my eyes to the possibility of data and information technology to really create this better food future. Um, you know, the idea that you could, that right now a lot of the issues in our food system is this lack of um, information flow. And if we could improve that, if we could connect people with the information that they need when they need it, that, that you could improve a lot of the food system. So that's, that's where it started. People thought I was crazy. Um, 
And but, you know, year after year, you would start to see more technology adoption. And, you know, that's because the just generally more people have mobile phones and more people are using technology for their everyday lives. Um, but then you're also starting to see a lot of large and small companies that, um, that are either launching, um, innovation and technology, uh, branches of their company or that are just starting companies that are trying to use technology to create a, 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 and transform a better future for food. The interesting thing about most of the subjects on Tech Bytes is that we often are using some form of technology to ultimately get us to an analog, in-person, real-life food experience. And most of the world, I think, is using technology in the same way. There, There is such a, a wealth of, of categories in the food tech space. I'm going to sort of focus us on to something in particular, which is food delivery, right now. The different food delivery services are really a hot topic. There's a lot of new businesses. Dave Chang just launched a new food delivery service in Manhattan. And, you know, I know that you speak on a lot of different panels. And because you've been in this space, as long as it's been around, you're pretty recognized as an expert. I've been starting to think about food delivery and technology plus food in wondering if having an app attached to a food company or a food service is simply enough to call it a food tech company. I'm wondering if having an app as the public interface to how people access your product or get delivery or pay for something is simply becoming our current version of like the yellow pages. You know, does it really mean that you're a tech company if you have an app when I think now, you know, 10 years ago, when you wanted to find a business, you would look through the yellow pages, you would call them on the phone, you would talk to them, you'd maybe order something. And, and that was how it was. Are apps just the new yellow pages and the way we do business? Or is it truly a technological advancement? I mean, I think that you're hitting on a big issue and something you're starting to see a lot of the lines blurred between what is tech and what is just, you know, food businesses that are enabled um, by technology. And so I guess, I mean, it definitely depends on the type of company you're talking about, right? There are some companies that are, that are more tech focused, um, and, and then others. Um, I think that the, the big thing that you're seeing though is that you that all of these companies are ultimately distribution and logistics companies you know and some companies are more um, food service operators right that and they have this technology component uh, and and the challenge becomes when they're venture backed so you know they're going out and they're pitching they're pitching investors as tech companies and but a lot of times the entrepreneurs and the investors don't really understand what the limitations and um, the complexity of, of what it means to be a food company and that the scalability issues and the perishability issues around food, um, just because you have some tech aspects, doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be able to have the kind of returns that a, a company that's just you know dealing um, with bits and bytes is going to be able to um, deliver. So I think that... It's it's going to be interesting um, couple of years to see what how these companies perform. You know, a lot of people are they're operating right now on on um, the money that they've that they've raised. They're not necessarily profitable, so you know, only time will tell. Um, 
but I, yeah. It's, it's very interesting to me just because you have an app. I don't think it means that you're actually a tech company. I think that's just how people, you know, interact with the world now. And now is a great time to find out um, what music we're going to interact with on the break and hear from our sponsor, who it sounds like at the top of the show is the Myriad Restaurant Group. And I'm definitely a fan of them. Their uh, restaurant, Bettany, just won uh, James Beard Award. So take it away. And this one's called Intrigue by Obesity. That's spelled Obey City. You're listening to Tech Bites. We'll be right back. proud to count the Myriad Restaurant Group as a business member of the Heritage Radio Network. Created by renowned restaurateur Drew Nearport, Myriad consists of a diverse roster of restaurants, each one unique and memorable. Delicious food, excellent service, and genuine value are at the core of Myriad's storied history. Tribeca Grill, celebrating its 25th anniversary, helped define the Tribeca neighborhood and is the perennial winner of the Wine Spectator's Grand Award. Nobu New York has innovated new-style Japanese cuisine for over 20 years, now joined by Nobu Next Door and Nobu 57, cooking Nobu's revered signature dishes. Batard, serving modern European cuisine, was named the best new restaurant of 2014 by Pete Wells in the New York Times, and similar plaudits in New York Magazine and The New Yorker, as well as earning a Michelin star. Myriad also serves up great ballpark dining at the Acela Club at City Field and tasty burgers at the Daily Burger at Madison Square Garden. The common thread is to be a good citizen in the communities they serve through their support of numerous charitable organizations. For more information, visit myriadrestaurantgroup.com. Well, if you've just tuned in and you're wondering what the hell you clicked on, this is Tech Bytes on the heritageradionetwork.org, coming to you every Monday afternoon at 1 p.m. from Roberta's Pizza in Bushwick, Brooklyn. On Tech Bytes, we talk about the intersection of food and technology, and today we have the perfect Tech Bytes guest, Danielle Gould, founder and CEO of Food Plus Tech Connect. We were just talking about um, what really defines a food and technology company, and there are so many companies today that are food delivery companies or food product companies. And because you access them via a website or an app, there is becoming this sort of gray area of companies that are food driven, have a consumer facing e-commerce side that puts them into this technology category and then makes them accessible to venture capitalism and the whole entrepreneur experience which is very different from traditional food and, and restaurant companies. So I um, put the question to Danielle, how, how would you really define a food and technology company versus something that's just a food company that utilizes technology for payment or commerce? Well, I always say that it's a company that is creating information technology or hardware that they're using to... Um, really improve the the way that food is produced, uh, delivered, sold, and consumed. So right now we're at in June 
2015. So this is a good to actually today's June 1st, if you're listening in the future. This is a good halfway mark to see what sort of the state of the industry is. What would you say the top one or two food tech companies are right now? Uh, well, it's tough because food, food tech is so big. It's spanning. There are so many different industries that it touches from agriculture to uh, CPG to retail. I mean, I guess just based on sheer um, valuation, um, I, you would have Blue Apron, uh, which is a meal kit delivery service. They are rumored to have a $2 billion valuation. They took in $50 million yeah. in funding last year. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, then, and then I would say Instacart. Instacart, very popular also. Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, there are a lot of... And then, you know, you have the Hampton Creeks of the world. You, there are, it just depends on where and what part of food tech you're looking at. So those are definitely big players in terms of having established brick-and-mortar businesses, good client base, good valuations, have brought in a ton of funding. What are some of the maybe trends or startups that you're interested in and following right now? So there is a company called NatureBox, um, and I, I really like them a lot. I think that what they're doing is very innovative. So they are a CPG company. What is CPG? Um, mean? Uh, sorry, Consumer Product Good Company. Mm-hmm. And they, uh, they create snacks, snack boxes. So you can subscribe for a snack box, and you'll get, uh, I think, like five uh, snacks that are delivered to your home once a month. And then you give feedback on, on the, um, your products and so that they can improve the experience for you. So what's interesting about them is a lot of, the, a lo- a lot of these subscription box companies, they're aggregating product. NatureBox actually creates the products, and they're using the box as a direct-to-consumer um, model. And in doing that, they're able to launch tons of products. I think last year they put out a hundred different products, which is kind of unheard of. They have a direct relationship with their customer. They get immediate feedback and they can iterate very quickly. Uh, And so I think that that's pretty, a pretty innovative um, model, especially in CPG where you have retailers that are the gatekeepers uh, and the, the buyer at the store will decide what your selection is based on what they like or what the point of view of the store is. Right. And then, but then there are, but you know, different when they reset the shelf twice a year and there are slotting fees and, and there are a lot of barriers to getting to your, to the customer. And so I think what's, and you don't get as a, as a producer, you're not getting a lot of data back. You're getting very little bit data about what how people actually feel about your your food products and and who's buying them and so what nature box is doing is they're making it possible for you to have perfect data and a perfect and a, and a um, relationship with your customer so i think that's really interesting so the perfect data is to the benefit ultimately of the company Snackbox, yeah. yeah um but hopefully they utilize it then to give their customer a better experience exactly so is it the data piece that makes them a food and tech company to you um, yeah, the, the, the data piece. I mean, they've built out their entire infrastructure for um, how they're collecting feedback, um, how they're processing all their payments, um, the, you know, yeah, and, and it's the data collection, it's the insight collection that they use in order to design their products and the efficiencies. That is pretty interesting. Um, we've become so accustomed with the internet and social media to having 
things, everything in our life tailored to exactly what we like and don't like from our news to our music to what we shop and what we buy that now it looks like it's reached the point where people actually manufacture product based on what we like and don't like, which is kind of amazing. I mean, it's great. If you can imagine, you know, people always talk about voting with their wallet. Well, there's nothing more powerful if people are, if eaters demand, you know, certain certain foods, if they have certain preferences, values, ethics, and you're able to communicate that directly with a, with a food company and you're able to do it, to communicate that in a way where the food company can then turn around and give you the product that you want, you know, what better way to change, to eat our values and and to, to change the, the food system. So I think that the, I would imagine that, you know, in the next 10 years, there are many more companies that are going to be using this kind of data, um, and um, insights to develop products. And definitely that uh, eaters are going to be demanding more personalized, customized food products. That's an interesting view for the next 10 years. What is your view um, in the more short term in terms of um, you do a lot of educational programming events, both online and, and events in person. What are the things that people are really hungry to learn right now? Or is it just everything? You know, quite quite honestly, if anybody has goes to foodtechconnect.com, there's a wealth of information and the whole category can be a little overwhelming sometimes, just even from figuring out how to use all those apps. Yeah, I mean we so we focus mostly on on the business to business side. Um, and so our courses are all um, which are at um, ed.foodtechconnect.com. Those are all designed to give entrepreneurs and um, anyone that's working in food or anyone that's interested in working in food the skills that they need to either launch and grow a business or to you know get a job at um, at, an, at a company in in the food industry. Um, and so I think that there's a lot of hunger to understand from companies, you know how there's a lot of technology out there. How does this fit in with my business? And, you know, what are the, what are the best ways that I should be approaching these technologies and how do I vet them? So I, you see that a lot, particularly with restaurant technology. Um, and when you say restaurant technology, do you mean the POS systems, the reservation systems? All of it. Um, Everything. Everyone's overwhelmed. I mean, there are so many companies in the restaurant tech space and restaurant operators are so just overwhelmed by having to, to sift through and vet all the different technology options that are out there. Um, so you have that, that, you have a lot of people that are coming into the space and they are either food, coming from a food perspective or they're coming from a tech perspective or they're you know, coming from a business perspective, but they don't really understand the other parts yeah. of, of their business. When you look at the about page and team pages of most of the startups, it's always one or the other. Right. It's, here's three friends that are really tech people who met in Silicon Valley who are you know, building the data crunching machines and all the algorithms, or it's a group of food people who really love making you know, popsicles and they're getting together and they're doing that thing. And you can see by the careers page sometimes which element they're looking to interject because they're looking for some, you know, amazing programmer or a food ninja or or something like that. So what we're trying to do, we're just trying to 
take all that energy and this excitement. There's never been more people that are interested in working in food and, and, and kind of creating a better future, but not everyone has the skills to do it. So you may know how to you know, build the next greatest database or app, uh, but you don't really know a lot about food. Or you have you know, a really forward-thinking, innovative food product, but you don't really know a lot about the business or, you know, and how to actually get your product from conception to a shelf. So we're trying to really demystify that process and make it easy for anyone to get the skills they need to do that. Um, so we work with amazing um, entrepreneurs who have been through it themselves, with investors, with consultants to take their knowledge and turn it into these really easy-to-follow courses that kind of break down all these different things that we just talked about into um, step-by-step um, processes for, you know, anything from you know, developing a brand to fundraising to crowdfunding. What has been the most popular course to date? Has there, is, are they all kind of the same? Is there a clear winner? Um, no, they've all been equally, they've all been equally popular. I mean, our branding course has been up the longest. So that's, that's been the, um, that was our pilot course. And it's been, I think the most popular, but just cause it's been up the longest. The fundraising course is really popular. Um, crowdfunding was also, um, is really great. And we're doing a webinar on, um, the 13th. So people can take the course live. We do them live and, and, um, or we do them in person and online, so you'll be able to take the course live on the 13th. That's exciting. So, yeah. That's exciting. You can do it all from, the, you know, the convenience of your laptop or smartphone. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, I, I think that what's nice about technology is that it enables you to share information um, and it, it just gives people, it improves access for people. And I think that that's something that's really important for food. So based on the things that you're seeing right now, what do you think the, the top trends are that are coming for the balance of the year and maybe things for the future? I mean, I think for the balance of the year, you're going to see e-commerce is big. Um, ag tech is also big. Uh, you're, and um, I think that for the balance for you know the next couple of years, you're going to see a lot more customization and personalization. I think you're going to see a lot more health-focused, um, health meets food and tech um, companies. Uh, I'm really interested to see what happens with the microbiome and technology around that. Um, yeah, and you know, I think that right now where it's like the second wave of technology. Um, when I started, there was a lot of it was a lot of more simple technologies and people are getting more ambitious. There's also more adoption. There's more money um, coming in. So I think that you're going to just start to see people getting more bold, more people developing um, technologies that solve problems across the supply chain versus up until now, we've seen a lot of the focus on the consumer experience. There's also history now of people having a great idea that turned into millions and millions of dollars and yeah. buyouts and all of that. So it, it has also created a whole category of entrepreneurship, which didn't exist before, which between incubators and funding and all of that gives just about anybody with an idea, potentially the opportunity to realize it and sell it, you know, a few years later and make a ton of money. It's very alluring. It's, it's the new American dream in many ways, I think. Yes. 
So at the end of each show, I always like to ask my guests for a little piece of advice for our listeners to follow. So you started a, a basically a, a personal blog surveying your industry that then has grown years later into this really um, multifaceted business that's become sort of one of the standard bearers of the industry. If we have readers or readers, listeners who have a personal interest in an industry, what's your best advice to them to turning their interest into a business? I would say stay curious and, um, and learn as much as you can and test and, you know, try out different ideas, but always be thinking about how you're going to make money. Ah, how you're going to make money. Yeah. <laughs> have you Early on. Have you figured that out? Um, yes, yes and no. I mean, yes, but it's not, it's not necessarily the most scalable thing. So, you know, it's just figuring out, figuring, just always thinking about it early on. And I think that early on, I wasn't always thinking about how I was going to make money enough. Because you were just, you were doing something that you loved. Yeah. Yeah. I was exploring, which is so important and you need to not, you need to be unconstrained. Um, but then it's important to, to be thinking about the money. Well, Doing Tech bites and radio is something that we love here, and we do think about the money. If you like this show and really loved it, go to heritageradionetwork.org, click on the Donate Now button, and, you know, throw us whatever you spent on a coffee this morning. It will help bring lots more wonderful programming like this to life. I am Jennifer Leutzi. This is Tech Bites. I want to thank my guest, Danielle Gould from Food Plus Tech Connect. I hope you enjoyed it, and I hope you'll come back and see us next week. Thanks for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore radio. You can email us with questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.